0: And we're in the book of Matthew, as you know, and we're continuing our study, and we're actually doing the Olivet Discourse, and that's the fifth sermon that Jesus gives in the book of Matthew, and he's telling us what to expect prior to his return. And this week, we're going to be talking about who are taken and who are left. Somebody's going to be taken and somebody's going to be left, and this is actually going to happen, folks. This isn't fantasy land. This isn't make-believe. This is an event that's going to happen. And there's different views on this, and we'll go through this in a few minutes. But if you would stand for reading of the word of God with me, we honor God by standing when we read his word. We're in Matthew 24, verse 36 through 44. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also be the coming of the son of man be. for as in the days before the flood, they were eating, drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. This is the Word of God. Our Father, we thank you for this time. As always, we are grateful to gather together as the body of Christ to study your Word, your Holy Word, Word that you've given to us that we may know how to live while we are here awaiting our arrival there. Thank you for this time together. Holy Spirit, fill this place, fill our hearts with you. And help us to learn what you want us to learn today. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. As you know, the theme of Matthew is Jesus is the promised king. And by the way, I'm glad you're here today. There's a lot of people sick. There's a lot of people on vacation. There's a lot of people that aren't here. And I'm so thankful that you are here. So there, there you got that. Now last week, last week, last time we talked about the parable of the fig tree. And it was a fig tree sign. And a significant thing about the fig tree is that I believe it's the nation of Israel that he's speaking to. Now, a lot of Bible teachers don't believe that. Many do. But I think it is referring to the nation of Israel. And one of the things that gives credence to that is in Matthew 21, 18 and 19, Jesus curses the fig tree because it had only leaves and did not have any fruit. And if you remember, the fig tree is unique and that fruit comes before the leaves, and the nation of Israel was all leafed out. It looked good, sounded good, smelled good, but it wasn't accomplishing its purpose, and it ultimately rejected the Messiah. And so the the fig tree was cursed at that point. The fig tree curse, the fig tree sign, is that when the nation of Israel was established on May 14, 1948, the prophetic clock just leaped forward. That was a significant event one of the things that you want to remember about the fig tree and fruit is that fruit is an indication that you're truly part of the family of God. You must remember that. In order to be a real Christian, there has to be some fruit. Now, it might be a little itsy bitsy, teensy weensy, itsy bitsy fruit that nobody else can see but God, but there needs to be some sort of fruit that is produced in your life. And what is fruit? Fruit is character change. You were saved to be changed. And character change, as you know, in, in Galatians chapter 5 is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These things will start to take place as you abide in Jesus, as you abide in the vine. Remember in John chapter 5, Jesus says, if, if you remain in me or you abide in me and my word, and I remain in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. We get our strength by abiding in the vine, the Lord Jesus Christ. And there will be character change. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this in the Amplified Version, the New Living Translation. Therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ the Messiah, he is a new creation, a new creature altogether. See, when you got saved, you were saved to be changed, not saved to be the same. Not saved to be just in case, just in case this whole thing about heaven is real. I'm going to slide in. No, no, you were you were saved to be changed, conformed to the likeness of Christ, a new creature altogether. The old, the previously moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and new has come. Now you've heard this before. You have been taught about this, but remember that every person born into this world, is born into the kingdom of darkness, it is under Satan's tutelage, Satan's control, Satan's kingdom, and must be extracted from that kingdom. And in Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, we see this verse. Watch this. He has delivered us from the... Oh my, I didn't check this. Okay. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. This is the word that you want to focus on, delivered, and it's going to come right up over here, and it is the word rumai, and you've heard this before. It means to draw with force and violence, to draw out of danger. Folks, Jesus, when you said yes to the Lord Jesus Christ, you were forcibly extracted from the kingdom of darkness placed in the kingdom of the Son of His love, the Lord Jesus Christ. You went from darkness into light. You went from hell into heaven. You had a destiny change and a life change that goes along with this. Now, with that change, I want to show you the next slide. Who you really are. Who you really are in Christ. And I want you to know something. You are the bride of Christ. You are sons and daughters of the King. You have value and purpose and meaning in your life. You have a special inheritance that is awaiting you. You are are the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's coming for you one day. And the next slide is going to show that you are a new creation in Christ. Everything is new. And because you are new, because you are new in Christ, watch this. The next little section there, know who you are. That is so important. Again, you're a child of God, a daughter of the King. You belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. Then be who you are. And finally, most of all, it's going to come up right here. Oh, act like who you are. Folks, you're different. You're different. People should see you as different. People should see you as weird and strange because what? We're aliens and strangers here. We don't really fit into the mold of this world system that's under the control of Satan. We're different, we're different, and we are to be different. Israel put forth its leaves, folks, on May 14th, 1948, after 2,000 years of dispersion. And if you remember, no nation in the history of the world has been assimilated into other cultures and yet maintained their identity. The Jewish people did. This gives credence that God is God, and he orchestrated this whole thing. Jesus said something in verse 33 last time we met that is very significant. When you see all these things, know that it is near at the door. Now, what things is he talking about? Well, in Matthew 24, verse 4 through 35, this is all tribulation stuff, all second coming of Christ stuff. When you start to see the stuff in the tribulation, when you see the abomination of desolation, When you seal the seal judgments and trumpet judgments and you see all this devastation, that generation can know that they know that Messiah is coming. And we're on the precipice of that right now. So the generation that sees that will see the Antichrist. Now this week we have one taken, one left. What in the world is this all about? Well, it starts in verse 36 about the day, what day and what hour. But of that day and hour, no one knows, just indelibly imprint that in your mind right now, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Only the Father knows when He's coming. Now keep that in your mind. Great Bible scholars differ on these verses that we're going to be covering. You must understand that. These are wonderful Bible teachers. Some that I'm going to list in a few minutes that you're going to, maybe you'll know their names. I know them very well, and they are very solid who differ on these verses that we're going to go through here momentarily. And I believe me, I've struggled with it. If you look at my Bible. I've got things here that are all over the place on this section. On what I believe, now I don't believe it, now I believe it, now I'm back to believe So that's the situation that we're in here today. So in Matthew 24, 4 through 35, Jesus is speaking to the nation of Israel exclusively. The tribulation and the second coming of Messiah are in view all the way up to our teaching today. Unequivocally, those are all about the nation of Israel. Now, you remember, and we've gone through this umpteen different times, but we will go through it one more time because we're probably not going to go through this a lot more in the following weeks as we get closer to Jesus' crucifixion and that sort of thing. But if you remember the 70 weeks of Daniel... And the slides going to come up on the screen, and if please remember this as best you can, indelibly imprint what I'm saying into your minds, because you know that in Daniel chapter 9:27, the whole tribulation starts when the covenant is signed, or ratified by the Antichrist, and we know that this 70 weeks has been guaranteed for the nation of Israel. I and mean, we studied this thoroughly. This is 70 week years, 490 years. From the going forth of the decree to restore and build the Jerusalem wall in Nehemiah chapter 2 verses 1 through 8 until the coming of the prince, Messiah Negid, Messiah the prince. There would be 69 week years. It was at this crucial point that the Jewish people would accept or reject the Messiah. They rejected him. Time stopped at 69 weeks, 173,880 days until this point. And then time stopped. The Jewish people have been put on hold. The church age began. I believe that the church age ends and the tribulation period will start with the rapture of the church and the tribulation period will start. Now, that has to be imprinted into your mind. You must realize that those last seven years are dedicated to the nation of Israel exclusively. There are many tribulation saints that are saved, but the whole purpose of the last seven years is to fulfill the last week of that 490-year prophecy. Have I said this often enough that it's finally settling in because it's a hard concept to understand, and I please remember this, the last week is for the Jewish people to recognize their national sin of rejecting Messiah and to plead for him to return. And you realize, because you've been here a long time, that they do that two to three days before the end of the tribulation. They'll go through the whole thing before they believe. That's the astounding thing. Now, everybody focus on me for just a second because this is where it gets controversial. Verse 36, there's a change of focus. Prior to these verses, it was the second coming. He says, but of that day and hour, no one knows. So there's a change of focus here. I think it's now he's no longer talking about the second coming. He's talking about something else. The but in the Greek is called a peri-day, a peri-day in the Greek. And the peri-day usually means a subject change, not always, but most of the time, it means a subject change, and I believe it means a subject t- change here in context with what we're studying. So, a different subject is coming up, but of that day and hour, no one knows but the Father could be referring to not the second coming, but the rapture, and here's where it gets controversial, and we'll go on to this more in just a few minutes. Now, Arnold Fruchtenbaum, who I read a lot of and you've heard a lot from, says this concerning the rapture. It is not known by the angels, nor is it known by the Son in Mark 13 in His humanity, but only by God the Father. If the timing of the rapture was hidden from both angels and the humanity of Jesus, how much more so was it hidden from mankind in general? Now, why doesn't Jesus know? And a lot of people say it's because of his humanity and he set aside his divine rights. Remember the kenosis, the self-emptying of his divine rights while he was here. But I think there might be something else at play here. And we've discussed this before. It's the Galilean wedding, the Jewish Galilean wedding. And in the Jewish Galilean wedding, the groom brings a proposal to the bride. A cup is offered to the bride. If the bride drinks the cup that is accepting the marriage invitation, they are determined to be at that point wed, although it's not consummated, because the son has to go to father's house, add on a room, and that room has to be inspected by the father, and the father is the only one that knows when to release the son to go and fetch the bride. That's the picture here. Only the father knows. Now, I want to say something here. Something for every young man or young woman that is contemplating marriage. Please, everybody hearing this on on the video. A husband is to prepare a place for his bride. If he cannot prepare a place for his bride, then he is not ready to care for her. He cannot provide for her and protect her. The husband is not a, not to expect the wife to prepare a place for him. He is to prepare a place for her and be ready to support her, provide for her, and protect her. If he cannot do that, that dude is not ready to be married. So please hear that. Now Jesus actually plays off of this Galilean wedding ceremony in John chapter fourteen, verse two through three, when it talks about this is the upper room discourse. Now, you hear this verse most of the time at funerals, but it actually has to do with Jesus going to prepare a place for, I believe, his bride, and he's making a promise to come back and get, him, get us. Notice what it says. In my Father's house are many rooms or dwelling places or mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you so. And I go to prepare a place for you. You put your name in there if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come and receive you unto myself, that where I am, you may be also. The bride will always be with the bridegroom. Remember that. We're going to be in Father's house with the bridegroom. So the fetching of the bride for Messiah, I believe, is the rapture, not the second coming. In my mind, the day and the hour that is in question speaks of the rapture of the church. Now, again, very controversial, and I'll get more into that in just a second. Again, this is not without controversy. Now, here are some examples of the split of opinion on these verses from people who know the Greek, know the Hebrew, know the history, know every th- lots of knowledge on this. Okay, and still they disagree. The yes group, is this the rapture in Matthew 24? The yes group, Arnold Fruchtenbaum, Ed Hinson, Mark Hitchcock, David Reagan, Henry Morris. Now, the no group, now these are, you might not know this, but these are in people, okay? These are in-depth Bible teachers. The no group, in-depth Bible teachers, Dwight Pentecost, Stanley Toussaint, Warren Weersby. John Wolver, the pre-trib of pre-tribbers. Andy Wood, somebody I really respect. Thomas Ice, another one. A lot of these people, very respectful. Uh, so that's the, that's the tension that we're dealing with here in this area of study. And you also must realize that I take the minority view. The majority view is the second coming of Christ is, ref- is referenced in these, cha- in these verses that we're going to be going through. But I see the minority view. Now, why do I see the minority view? In 37 through 39, the days of Noah confirms the rapture for me. Now, why? Why? Why does it confirm the rapture for me? Well, let's see. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. Now, that taken away is taken away in judgment, so that's the way it it gets confusing in this area. But hear this. How were the days of Noah like the days prior to the rapture? How were the days of Noah like the days prior to the rapture? Before the flood, now listen to this, it was business as usual. Might have been a weird world there, but it was business as usual. Now, in the midst of that weird world, you had Noah, who was a preacher of righteousness. And if you go down to the ark, you will find out that Noah was building the ark for 50 to 75 years. You see this when Ken Ham's ark encounter. They come up with this, this this number. So 50 to 75 years, he's building an ark, and during that time, He's a preacher of righteousness to the whole world that's not listening to him. Does that sound familiar today? I mean, the whole world is not listening to these these these, these things that we try to warn them about, that these signs point to Messiah coming very quickly. The whole world is not listening. Now, you might think, and, and these people are, are, Noah's preaching this stuff, and it sounds crazy to them. Now, look, he's, he's putting an ark out here in the middle of the, wilderness now this thing is being built in a desert and noah is saying it's going to rain and there's going to be a flood they've never heard these words before it has never rained and it has never flooded on the earth and so they're looking at what are you talking about noah what are you talking about that's what they say to us that's how strange we sound when we talk about an antichrist a one world religion a monetary system that's changing whole world that's changing they look at us like we're crazy it takes the spirit of god to open the minds and hearts of people so they can receive the truth so they can receive the truth so they ignored noah most of our world they're ignoring the signs today and i can imagine that world in that day they thought that noah was crazy looney tunes now what do they think of you today crazy loony Tunes because you believe this bible stuff watch this the verse they were eating and drinking marrying and giving in marriage until the day noah entered the ark and did not know mark that down in your minds until the flood came and took them all away so also will be the coming of the son of man be now did you catch it did not know life as usual The grind, the daily grind, same-o, same-o, was going on in their lives. Same-o, same-o. Folks, prior to the second coming, it will not be life as usual. This is not how life will be prior to the second coming of Messiah. It will be very different, and you know this. The sealed judgments, 1.5 billion, billion people die and then the trumpet judgments 1.5 billion people die and then the bowl judgments are the worst of all and my goodness they will decimate the earth the inhabitants i believe you'll be living on earth with ptsd or maybe not post-traumatic you'll be in traumatic stress at that point that's what you're going to be running into the entire planet is going to be overwhelmed a cataclysmic mess that is off the charts, that is not life as usual, there is no marrying, and giving into marriage, and eating, and drinking, and going about your merry way, when you're living in that environment, okay, that's an important point to me, so at that time, there will be, at at the time of before the flood, there will be no same-o-same-o, it's the same before the rapture, no same-o-same-o, there will be shock and awe at the rapture, I want you to think about this. Think about this. Another thought. The second coming of Messiah will be a dateable event. See, no one knows the time or the hour of the rapture, but not the second coming. Why do I say that? Because Daniel 9.27, when the covenant is ratified by the Antichrist, that starts the tribulation period. It'll be seven years from that day. Also, when the abomination of desolation is placed in the holy place and the worship of Antichrist takes place and the mark of the beast is is enforced, it's three and a half years until Messiah comes. So you can know to the day or the hour that this is going to occur. I want you to think about something else. Think about something else. Noah, Noah's normal time was weird. It was weird. It was a weird time. And we're living in a weird time, a weird time. What, Noah had the Nephilim, the giants, this offspring of the mating of the sons of God, which are the fallen angels, with the daughters of men, producing this giant offspring And the genetic pool was being contaminated and Satan almost pulled it off except for aid in the ark, aid in the ark. That was a weird time. But I want you to think about today. Today we are messing with the human genome, the DNA, like never before in the history of our world, like never before. Technology is affording the, the, the opportunity to do this. We even have today humans wanting to interface with computers and have chips put in them. And remember, Elon Musk wants to be the first one to get the chip put in. Well, good for you, buddy. You can be the, you can be the example. And so you can, enter, you can interface with computers and have enormous knowledge, knowledge of the whole world. You can be Google right in your own mind. And have all, you can be like God in your own mind. That's what they're looking at. Strange stuff. But I also want you to realize this. Before the flood... Before the flood, there were no heavenly signs preceding the flood, meaning no weather changes, no signs in the heavens, strange stuff happening to the earth itself. Just Noah, the crazy guy building the ark. And then sudden destruction came. The time before the rapture will be much the same. Strange stuff going on. But the people at that time, our time, will not have eyes to see or ears to hear the signs of the time. The majority don't. People will be going about today, as Noah's time, eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, and oblivious to what's happening around you. And I can guarantee you, you go to 90% of the churches in this country, and you will not hear a peep, a peep about the rapture, a peep. About what's going on with the signs of the times, a peep about anything that we see going on that is so obvious to us. Folks, the vanishings are going to occur. The rapture will occur and it will be shock and awe for millions. And then finally, listen to this one. This would be a real good time. Well, you're all are paying attention, so that's good. That's, that's a very that's a positive thing. Another thought the bride is told to watch and be ready to escape the tribulation. Now listen to this, Luke chapter 21 verse 36 has an astounding thing that Jesus says in context about this event. Watch this, Jesus says, watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things. Not some of these things, not half of these things, all these things that will come to pass And then stand before the Son of Man. Now, to watch means this. Keep alert. Keep alert, church. Watch what's going on around you in our world as we're sprinting towards a one-world government. Keep awake. Alert to what is happening around you. To escape these things means you must be off the earth, not here. You know what that tells me? Now, this is a bold statement. And a lot of people will disagree, but Jesus said this, that tells me Jesus was pre-trib. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? Now, that, that was, uh, I'm thinking, okay. <laughs> now, I might be misreading that, but that's how it looks to me, at least today. Now, that could change. <laughs> Verse 40 and 41, who are taken and who are left? Now, this is the question. Who are taken and who are left? This is where the crux of the matter is, 40 and 41. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will, be, women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. So there are two views to make this real simple. There's two views on this. You've already heard the people that believe in these, these views. The first view is those taken are taken in judgment like at Noah's time. If so, that's the second coming of Messiah that is referred to here. Okay? And a lot of great Bible teachers believe that this is what this is referring to. And that is, again, that is the majority view. I hold the minority view. If you don't hold my view, that's fine. It's okay. You're in good company. Those taken are taken to heaven. If so, this is the rapture view. And like I said, people differ on this. Now, I want you to look at the word usage here, this is very important. The word usage here, it won't come up on the screen, so you have to listen to me, okay? Those taken in verse 39, he used the word, they, they took them away. Those taken in verse 33, that word took is arrow. It means unequivocally lifted up in judgment, lifted up in judgment. But there's a different word in 40 and 41. Those taken is the word paralambeno. Para lambano. You don't need to remember that word, but it does mean something very different. It means to receive, to be near, suggest intimacy. It suggests the rapture to me. Now, paralambano is not always used in that context. There are some contexts, rarely, that it can be used in judgment. Most of the time, it is receive as for something good, okay? Jesus, in the upper room discourse, remember when he said, I will come and receive you to myself, paralambeno, paralambeno. He could have used the word, they could have used the word here, arrow. It could have been, you would, unequivocally, it would have been judgment. And then it would have been a second coming. Automatically, it would have been the second coming. But he did not. He used the word paralambeno. That's significant. That's significant. So whether you believe it's the judgment or the rapture, you're in good company. But we know this. Life will be fairly normal prior to the rapture, just like the days of Noah. Life will be far, far, far from normal at the second coming of Messiah. This world will be a mess and actually has to be all redone for the millennial reign. Now, verse 42 and 44, the end time believer, you have a responsibility. You're living today to watch and be ready. Watch and be ready. Not sleeping, not slumbering. Watch and be ready. So 42 through 44. Watch, therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you, church, watch. You also be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. You do not expect. So let me go through this again. Verse 44. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. Folks, I believe that's the rapture. Verse 44. Watch also, be ready, for the, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. At the second coming, those tribulation saints... They're expecting Messiah to come back. They're expecting Messiah. They see all this stuff that's happening. They see everything that's happening. Now, I want to take you on a journey. So, if you have your Bibles or your phone, you turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1. Now, you know, before 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, there's 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And that talks about the rapture of the church. 4.16, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God. And then the dead in Christ will rise first, and we are alive and remain. be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the air. There will always be with the Lord. And then he tags on this, this comment. Comfort one another with these words. Comfort one another. Now, let me ask you, how can you be comforted? If you're going through the first half of the tribulation where 1.5 billion people are killed and the whole earth is a mess, how can you be comforted with that? We're we're uncomfortable with COVID. We're uncomfortable with something happening in a faraway war someplace. When this thing goes down, folks, it's going to be devastating. It's going to be awful, awful. Then there's a change from the rapture verses, and then he goes, but change of focus concerning the times and the seasons brethren you he's talking to the church he's talking to you have no need that i should write to you that's the focus for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the lord so comes as a thief in the night when they say and then he switches now watch it when they say they're not going to be in the day of the lord it's a it's a subject change for when they say peace and safety That's what happens when the Antichrist signs that covenant or ratifies that covenant. Then sudden destruction comes on them in the middle of the tribulation. He'll turn on the Jews. He'll turn on on the Jewish people and try to kill every one of them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman. Does that sound familiar? When Jesus said it would be like labor pains, birth pains, that sort of thing. And they, those in the tribulation, shall not escape. But you, brethren, oh, you are different. You are not in the darkness so that this day should overtake you as a thief. I don't think you're going to be here. You are all sons of the light, sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep, slumber, be lazy like the whole world is doing. Let's keep watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night, but let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and as a helmet of hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath. Wrath. This could be an eternal wrath or it could be the wrath of the Lamb in the, in the, tri- in the tribulation period. But to attain salvation through our Lord who died for us, whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. And again, he says, comfort one another because we're together with him, alluding back to the rapture comfort one another with these words edify one another so with that again to me verse 2444 you also be ready for the son of man is coming in an hour or a day that can be translated day you do not expect again the rapture no one will know the day or the hour folks that's going to happen it can happen right now boom boom we're changed the second coming, folks can know it. You, the second coming has all kinds of signs, all kinds of things that happen. It is not a surprise. It might be a surprise to the earth dwellers that they sided with the wrong person, but it is not a surprise to the to, 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 to believers for sure on the earth. So believers are to watch and be ready. And I want you to hear this. The church is never, 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 ever told to watch for the Antichrist. You don't see any scripture. You're looking for the system. You have signs of the times and that sort of thing. But I'm not watching for the Antichrist. I am to watch for the Christ. The Christ who's coming to rescue me from this whole mess. So I do not believe the Antichrist is in your future. I believe you'll escape the carnage. Now again, if I am wrong, then what do we do? Mid-trip, mid-trip. We go, okay, we know that. Okay, everybody knows Because nobody has this down perfect. Believe me, eschatology is something that we don't perfectly have. We're trying to work through this. So, closing thoughts. However you view, however you view taken in judgment or taken in the rapture, the point is that one day you will be taken. Whether it's natural or whether it's supernatural in the rapture, you will be taken Either way, Jesus gives us a clear view of what his return will be like. On the day Jesus returns for his bride, the whole world will be caught off guard. Not at the second coming. The whole world will be a mess prior to the second coming. So the rapture is a one-off, so to speak. One-off. The whole world, the church will be gone. But the second coming will also be a one-off when Jesus comes and establishes this kingdom. The, second, the rapture is going to be shock and awe for sure for those who are left in judgment. See, they're going into judgment. They're going into the tribulation. We have been rescued from that. But the second coming is going to be shock and awe also. Both events are unprecedented. I want you to think about something. Now, think, I want you to think about God. Think about God and who he is. Whenever God invades the lives of humans, it's a terrifying event. Now, when Jesus comes back at the second coming, the wrath of the Lamb is pinnacled. Okay, that is going to be abjectly terrifying to this world. Remember, it gets absolute darkness prior to his return. Lightning then flashes across the sky, and he comes and he deals with the Antichrist, the false prophet, He deals with the earth dwellers. He throws Satan in a pit for a thousand years. It will be terrifying for those who have been against Jesus. Terrifying. Be an unspeakable moment for those folks. Whenever God invades, it's a terrifying moment. People are so casual with God. So casual. He's a good guy. He almost is like your grandfather. He's almost like your little huggy bear. He's a little huggy bear God. I want to tell you, we have a poor view of God. We're all guilty of not seeing God as he is. Loving? Yes. Righteous and holy? Yes. Wrathful? Yes. Yes. What are we missing today in our view of God? I think it is this, folks. It is the fear and holiness of the Lord, of Yahweh. It is the fear and in the holiness of Yahweh. Now, we talk about fear. There's all kinds of things that we're afraid of. I have a picture of a brain here. Now, this brain is being feared. It's having a little fear from this spider. And if you remember, arachnophobia is the biggest fear that humans have. It's number one on the list. And when your visual cortex takes this in and you process it at higher levels, you have a response And most of the times, you want to avoid anything that's going to cause fear. Now, the next slide is a normal human response to fear. Fight and face it, or flight and freeze. And folks, this happens all the time. Now, in battle, you're hoping and they are training you to fight and face it. But folks, you can start the fight and freeze, or you can start the fight and flight, and then freeze. I mean, there's all these things that happen in the human mind. But God's view of fear is very different. It'll be the next slide. Watch this. You know this. You've heard this before. The word fear is yare in the Hebrew. It means to have fear, be afraid. Tremulous fear is in view here. But the main thing for believers is to revere, to have reverence for, to stand in awe of, to be in awe to honor, to respect God. It is God is high and lifted up. God is righteous and worthy to be praised. He is our Father, and He is holy, and He is righteous. He is the one that we serve. Now, here A.W. Tozer, excuse me. I missed this. So get ready, Emma. God is pure, abject holiness. A holiness that exceeds our ability to comprehend. Exceeds our ability to comprehend. A.W. Tozer in his book, Knowledge of the Holy, who I quote frequently, has a section on the holiness of God. Listen to what he says. Watch how eloquently he speaks. The sudden realization of his personal depravity, speaking of Isaiah when he sees the Lord, came like a stroke from heaven upon the trembling heart of Isaiah at the moment he had his revolutionary vision of the holiness of god now you have people today saying i saw jesus in the mirror or i saw jesus and jesus came and he spoke right to me and i spoke to him and we're having this conversation i'm telling you when you get in the presence of god it is not going to be this casual thing it's not going to be this casual experience watch what isaiah says his pain-filled cry was woe is me for i am undone Because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts, the God of armies. Isaiah 6, 5 expresses the feeling of every human who has discovered himself under his disguises of how righteous we are. And has been confronted with an inward sight of a holy purity that is God. Such an experience cannot be but emotionally violent. Emotionally violent. Now, I have a question for you. In view of God's abject holiness, what are we as believers to do? How can we live in the presence of this abject holiness? Tozer will tell us, and I think most of you know the answer. We must, like Moses, I love how he writes cover ourselves with faith and humility while we steal a quick look at God whom no man can see and live. The broken and contrite heart God will not despise. We must hide our holiness. Listen to this. Uh, Hide our unholiness in the wounds of Christ as Moses hid himself in the cleft of the rock while the glory of God passed by. We must take refuge from God in God, in Jesus Christ, who is God. Above all, we must believe that God purges us that we may be partakers of His holiness. Folks, the only way we can survive, the only way that we can live in the presence of God and be in his holiness is to be changed. We have to be in a different state, a different condition. We cannot stand before him in this condition that we're in now. You were changed when you were saved, born again, justified. More on that in just a second. 1 John 3, 2 says this, when we see him, we who are believers see him, we who have the righteousness of Christ credited to us the second we believe when we see him we will be like him you remember that one where we will see him as he really is in the glorified state when we are changed from this flesh and blood into our different existence we will see God face to face we're going to be in a different state and be able to appreciate him forever it is calming to me I'm living here in this mess. It is calming to me to know that I'm in God's family exclusively because what Jesus did for me, exclusively, I simply believed, I placed my trust in him, and he saved me. His righteousness was credited to me. We cannot trivialize this. When you said yes to Jesus, his righteousness was credited to you. You will never, ever, ever be more righteous in His sight than that day you said yes to Jesus. You may live a crummy life and regret it, but you're as pure as ever before the eyes of Father because you said yes to Christ. Jesus' blood sacrifice cleanses me from all of my sins. God views me as holy, pure, and clean. That's positionally pure, but not actually pure here. You realize that, don't you? You realize we're all sinners, we're all depraved, we're all, we, we, we go about this thing regularly, uh, missing the mark. Scripture says something, that, that, there's gonna, that Jesus is coming for a pure, spotless bride. In Ephesians 5.27, we see this, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, You are the church, you are the bride, not having spot or wrinkle, perfect or any such thing that it should be holy and without blemish, only by the blood of Christ. Now, there's a segment that we've talked about in the past that's gaining popularity. These are post millennial believers who believe that this verse means that we're supposed to make the world better and better and better for the arrival of Jesus. And that he's coming for a spotless bride. Let me tell you. You're never going to be spotless in yourself. You're spotless because of the blood of Christ. The truth is this. It's not about our holiness. But about Christ's holiness being credited to us. Who believe. Jesus is coming in splendor. Folks. Not to a world prepared for his return. But a world in rebellion against him. You must realize that. We have. Are clean no spot or wrinkle because of what Christ has done for us for us now I have some good news for you those who are holy and blameless saved you said yes to Jesus saved will be taken in the rapture the bad news those who are not holy and blameless lost have stiff arm gods, stiff arm gods. I don't want you, God. I'll do it my way. I'm good enough. I'm a good person. You're going to let me into your kingdom. You're lost. You're lost. You'll be left in judgment. The good news is that you still have time to believe and receive the gift of salvation today. Who are taken and who are left? All I can say is don't be left behind to go into the tribulation period the judgment of the tribulation period. Again, one of my my favorite authors, A.W. Tozer, our choice is our own, but the consequences of that choice have already been determined by the sovereign will of God. And from there, and and this, there is no appeal. From this, there is no appeal. Heaven or hell, folks, it's really that simple. These are real places, real places where people will dwell for eternity people don't understand that they trivialize this (coughs) excuse me so believe and receive the gift or reject and regret and the question is as always what will you do with jesus who is called the christ the last picture i want to leave you with here one will be taken the other will be left which will it be for you that's the question you know, the Father says come, Jesus says come, the Holy Spirit come, the Bride says come, and come and take of the water of life freely, in Revelation twenty two seventeen. Behold, today is the day of salvation. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time together. Thank you, Lord, that we know that one will be taken, one will be left, and however that happens, we know that you're coming for us. Lord's second coming verses, rapture verses, however that all plays out, we know that you're coming for your bride, and we are confident in that. Whether these verses apply or not, that remains to be seen. When we get to heaven, we will know. But for right now, we rest in the fact of knowing that you will come for your bride before the tribulation period, and that we will escape the wrath of the Lamb that will be poured out upon this world. Lord, thank you for this time together that you've given us to study your word, the infallible word of the living God. In Jesus' name, amen.